Welcome back to SwitchCast. I am your host, Doug Tabbitt, and SwitchCast is the podcast. <laughs> Random arm for live viewers. I've just got a producer Ethan in my ear. Oh, crap, my phone's up there. <laughs> oh, man. We know that the majority of you listen on... Uh... <laughs> audio podcast later man you are missing out on some of the shenanigans that comes with with a live show anyway i am still your host doug tabbitt and switchcast is the podcast where we seek to educate edify and entertain you on the drive of your life tonight i think we're going to be leaning strongly towards entertainment and not so much education and edification is debatable i think about every week Uh, This season, we've been focusing primarily on topics and guests that help our listeners be smarter buyers and sellers, avoid scams, and make informed decisions from their initial purchase through all aspects of ownership. Tonight, we have a few topics we're going to discuss, and we are flying a little bit more by the seat of our pants, which is always a lot of fun. And we've had, I think, two seasons of doing that, so we're we're prepped and and seasoned veterans. Seasoned veterans in making stuff up as we go. That's not really what we're going to do, but uh, we appreciate all of you here, and we especially will appreciate any of your questions, comments, and discussion that you want to throw in. Uh, Just place them in the comment flow of wherever you're watching live, and uh, Tyler or Ethan will get them over to me, and we'll happily interact with you because, again, this show is more about interaction than about me just being a talking head. We're not talking at you. We're, we're taking time to to be with you and uh, help you on the, the automotive journey of your life. So anyway, thank you for being here tonight. Um, we've brought up, uh, we've teased, I think, EVs as a topic multiple times, and that's not going to be the primary, primary focus of the show tonight. But um, we have a, a visiting friend from Maine that uh, forwarded me some interesting news that I thought was at least worthy of discussion. And we are going to have a full-on EV show at some point once I get uh, a worthy guest, I think a pro-EV uh, person that I can do some some <laughs> some good banter regardless. Uh, I think most of you by now know how I feel about EVs. Uh, it's not that I'm just against the technology per se, but against the political agenda that goes with it. With it, But anyway, um, I heard about, thanks to Russell, um, this company in Bolivia that uh, is building an electric car. They're called Quantum Motors. And it is a private enterprise there. It's a pretty cool story. Uh, about how they started kind of in the face of, of quite a lot of opposition. Um, th- they were so much opposition that they could not get a deal struck with the national, you know, like the nation-sponsored lithium mines. So they were putting lead-acid batteries in their initial EV cars, which is uh, not really progressive technology, but whatever. They, you know, they were bootstrapping it and and they got it done and they made some cars. Anyway, the the company is called Quantum Motors and they have a 55 kilometer per hour top speed, which is like 30 miles an hour, 35. I don't know. I can't math that quickly. And a a similar range, 50 to 80 kilometers per hour. So uh, I'm sorry, 50 
to 80 kilometers. So you've got basically an hour range at, at flat out. <laughs> <laughs> that would make for a really bad cannonball. <laughs> How many stops did you have? 40. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, so you've got like a, a 30 to 40 kilometer range. Now, <laughs> for all the crap that I give EVs, I really, really want to make fun of this whole premise. But I can't. I actually think this is one of the mm, most realistic EV propositions so far. And here's why. So this is this is the people's car, right? Um, they have identified the demographic. Well, I, I'm assuming that they've identified the demographic of their buyers as being, you know, local commuters. Bolivia is a, a you know heavily concentrated population, and they have a lot of hills there. And they're making high-torque vehicles that are essentially made for short commutes and for climbing hills, but not for long trips because people aren't using them for that type of uh, utility around there. So they've actually identified uh, their buying demographic and built a car that suits their needs with within a reasonable budget, which completely flies in the face of what EV companies in the U.S. are doing, which is making these luxury status symbols and virtue signals that don't do what people actually need them to do. And they're prohibitively expensive for the average person, and they don't replace a, a really good internal combustion car. Um, they don't do what we need them to do. Um, so I kind of I kind of like what they're doing. This um, website I'm on says they're six thousand dollars a piece. That's crazy. Yeah, right. And they're and also they're also seeking to build them almost exclusively in Bolivia, which is something that Americans could definitely learn from. Now I recognize that we've like as countries develop, we move from a production manufacturing economy to a essentially like a consumer economy, but you still have to have production of, of, of goods and resources in order to not be completely dependent on other countries. And that's important when we have things like a global shutdown for COVID, when you have wars and stuff like that. Um, but they, um, I, I think about 60% of the parts for their cars are made in Bolivia. And they're still working out a deal to get their lithium uh, from the Bolivian you know, essentially the Bolivian government mine. Uh, but, you know, th I think they have realistic goals. And they're, it, it's coming from a far better uh, foundation than I think the rest of EVs. And one of the main EV, one of the main issues I have with EVs, and one of the reasons I keep just railing against them, is not because I don't like batteries, right? I mean, I do like batteries. Batteries are pain in the rear. They don't last very long. You can't throw them out. Like, what the heck do you do with a flashlight battery when you're done with it, right? Like, you oh, can't yeah. use big X over, like, the garbage can. You can't throw it in the trash. You're just supposed to hang on to it forever. But anyway... um, 
the Quantum Motors is kind of like the people's car, right? Like the original Volkswagen Beetle. In contrast to these government-funded, you know, bloated, super high horsepower, super expensive luxury EVs that we have in America. And all of that kind of reminds me of just how incompetent government is, right? So the governments in the U.S. and in European countries and a lot of developed countries are enacting laws and pouring tax dollars furiously into EV technology, but essentially they're subsidizing the upper class and the wealthy to like virtue signal, right? Like they don't need any subsidization, but you know, that's what they're getting. And like, I don't believe that the government should be pushing EV technology at all, right? There's multiple different um, alternative fuels that are being researched, hydrogen, um, Porsches, um, zero emissions, gasoline, which is that man, that might take over the world if they can get that. And there's no government money being put into that at all. Um, but, and here's where I'm going to, uh, diverge into potentially getting canceled for, <laughs> for, for trigger words. What? Careful. <laughs> I, it's nothing I'm going to say. It's, it's, it's the algorithm, right? They, 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 you know, demonetize you for certain words. Like you say gun and it's just an automatic demonetization, right? Well, the fact that you're Ugh. drinking and we've been drinking on this podcast <laughs> since the very <laughs> debut is like, yeah. yeah. All right. So I'm, a, I'm, no just, I'm just going to get it out of the way right right off the bat. So if they're going to demonetize must. us, Nazi, Hitler, swastika. All right. Do we do we lose monetization from YouTube Whoa. yet? I don't get it. Okay. Well, you will in a second. Okay. Okay. So I don't believe that the government should be investing into automotive technology, right? There's giant companies who have billions of dollars who are going to make profit off of finding the next alternative fuel, whatever it may be. They don't need help from the government. That's not the government's job to do. But let's look back at history. So say what you will about Hitler, and everything would be true. Because everything that you say bad about Hitler is true. He was an awful person and he was a scourge in our world's history. However, when he gave Ferdinand Porsche the commission to design a car, the world got the people's car. It was affordable. It was efficient. It was arguably attractive. It became cool, but it was still a commodity. It was something that anybody could buy. And it became one of the most popular, if not the most popular cars in the world, right? So it, like you, you contrast what he did in terms of his investment. Now, I, I guess you can't credit Hitler with that. You would credit Ferdinand Porsche for the engineering prowess to design that. But then you contrast that with what our government's doing with EVs. And it's like they're just screwing it up. They've been trying this for 20 years and they can't get it right. Because, you know, it, it's it's not a better technology. But anyway. Can I ask a question? Sure. Along the same lines of government involvement with EVs? Yes. Joe Biden 
President Joe Biden all the time talks about his what what Corvette does he drive? What is it? It's a it's a C one. It's like a nineteen sixty Corvette, I think. Right. Um, yet his administration is pushing for electric vehicles for sustainability reasons like no other administration that we've ever seen. Sure. How does that make you what are what are your thoughts on that? Uh, genuinely think, curious. Uh, no, I think it's completely disingenuous that he he drags out his vintage Corvette to try to say like, oh, I'm I'm a car guy. I identify with you because it's complete crap. He doesn't actually ever drive it, which is, I think, what how he feels old cars, you know, their purpose should be. They should be decorations in the garage. They should be collector's items. Um he can't drive it because, as president, he loses his driver's license. You can't drive, yeah. Right. right. Once you become president, <laughs> you lose you lose your driver's license for life, mm-hmm. which once I found that out, I took my name off the ballot. Oh. So, <laughs> we um, lost a tab at Sanders' presidential <laughs> yeah. campaign. Oh, no, hold on a second. <laughs> that is the reason I can never be president. There's so many other reasons, but... <laughs> um, no, I, I think it's just... He, he he brings it out just like, you know, it's it goes. I don't know if you guys are a fan of The Office, but when the senator on The Office <laughs> brings brings Oscar Martinez uh, in 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 front of him and, and like a couple other ethnic people and a handicapped person like Oscar saw right through it and uh, or, or no, Kevin saw right through it and he goes, well, you just you're just doing this again. It's virtue signaling. Like oh yeah, I'm just doing this to 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 appeal to my voters. Right. It's and like tokenism, it, but with cars. Tokenism. That's a good yeah. word. Yeah. So it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's I like I've that word. I've been known to make up words on occasion. Are you like Chad GPT? You're just confidently wrong sometimes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would have believed you. I'd be like, yeah, tokenism that makes sense. Yeah. Sounds right. Tokenism. But uh, a- anyway, so like back to EVs. The, the biggest problem I have with EVs is they're not. They're not solving a consumer problem. They're trying to solve an environmental problem, but they're going about it the wrong way. And they're creating these, you know, toys for the wealthy, one trick ponies that go really, really fast and are supposedly luxurious, but they're super expensive. But if EVs could be the modern equivalent of the Volkswagen Beetle, if they could be the people's car, then I could probably get behind it and that's why i like this this quantum motors thing the bolivian ev because i'm like okay it's it's actually seemingly solving a problem it's creating a product that makes sense um and they seem to be doing it without government intervention anyway but i I was thinking about getting a a gold finished one actually yeah i'm I'm still considering it though i'm uh, i'm contemplating it Where's his drum? Uh, this, this might be a good time. I do uh, need a drum. You do need a drum. Yeah, there it is. There it is. I, I got to be honest. They've definitely won the, Should I say like, the punchline again. Uh, you I know, think that, we remember it. The more you say it, the funnier it gets, I think. I'm it's contemplating it. <laughs> That's great. They got the best name in the electric car biz, though, I got to be honest. Quantum Motors just sounds cool. That is pretty sure. cool. You, sounds can't, like, you can't deny yeah, that. That's Quantum awesome. Motors. Is the yeah. owner an introvert? Yeah. Does he like his quantum solace? All right. Okay, so uh, Bobby Stanley has been with us on TikTok for a while. He's had a number of good thoughts. He he said it's uh, it's just a matter of trying to save the auto industry, not the planet. How do you feel about that? Is it an auto What's industry? What's wrong with the auto industry? 
I don't know. I'm not Bobby I, Stanley. If he's, I, in, I mean, if he's watching, he could. I, the auto manufacturers are making plenty of money. I, I don't think it's trying to save the auto industry at all. they're they're forcing them to develop a technology and that never works out well right like and the government shouldn't be in the business of saving the auto industry right like so 2009 10 ish all of the auto manufacturers or most of the american ones were on the verge of bankruptcy but a lot of it was not just because of the economic meltdown it was because of their legacy costs they had union contracts, they had pensions, they had all this different stuff that they had built into their operating costs. So it, like, if you look back at their quarterly profits during that time, there was a number of quarters in the middle of the economic meltdown where they had an operating profit, but a net loss because they had so many legacy costs. And the best thing in the world for the auto industry, in my opinion, as like a free market capitalist, whatever label you want to put on me, is for those companies to fail because and and people didn't want them to fail because they said, oh, well, that's just going to destroy the economy. There will be no cars. They're too big to fail. You know, that phrase that we heard parroted. But they wouldn't have failed and just stopped making cars. Like it's what we've talked about, talked about with Carvana, the different chapters of bankruptcy they would fail to the point that they would file bankruptcy and restructure and that would allow them to get out of contracts specifically union contracts that would you know get them out of these legacy costs and be able to produce cars competitively with foreign manufacturers who are now building cars in the US without the unions and they're building a better product for the same amount of money. And the government didn't want that to happen because a massive, massive contingency of voters are union-based. So if you can pander to the unions or pander to a specific group, you have all their votes. So General Motors and Chrysler got these government-orchestrated bailouts, which is complete bullcrap, right? So like General Motors shareholders essentially like they issued new shares of gm so existing shareholders and somebody can correct me if i'm wrong i'm going off of memory but existing shareholders basically got zilch and there's just new shares issued once the government you know did this bailout and then um this weird fantastical deal was orchestrated between fiat and chrysler which became fiat chrysler america like what the heck is that you take two terrible companies and and merge them and it's like oh this is gonna be a great company and it's no t-mobile and sprint crap (laughs) wireless company yeah it's like no you you need to fail you should fail and uh yeah no if 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 the automotive industry needs saving, it shouldn't be done by government. Government has no idea how to do anything right. So we don't just disclosure. We don't talk politics on this show. This is something I've always said, unless it's directly related to cars. And we're talking about cars and EVs, in my opinion, are 100 percent political. It's really not an automotive discussion. Um, electric technology has been around as long as the automobile. So if it was 
if it was purely an automotive discussion, then then we could have that. But I think it's it's really a political discussion at this point. So on that note, let's go to a commercial. Switchcast is brought to you by Boxcast. Boxcast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched Boxcast back in 2013 with one purpose, and that is to make people a part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, Boxcast is an easy and flexible live streaming platform for organizations. Boxcast is so easy that we are broadcasting this show with a phone. So head on over to switchcars.com forward slash boxcast for your free trial. Oh, I was wondering. I was waiting. I could see out of the corner of my eye. I was trying to turn the air conditioning on. (laughs) Apparently, it's still set on heat because this is May in Ohio. That's insane. I was boiling in my office earlier Uh, today. Yeah. Alrighty. So I'm not sure where Doug went, but the Corvette curmudgeon has uh, waltzed his way. Oh, God. Weird words. He's come onto the scene. Uh, Sauntered. Sauntered. He's sauntered into the studio. I was trying to make a joke about like a walker or something, but almost there. <laughs> like he's not that old, but you know, he kind of shuffles. <laughs> Shuffled his way. That's good. Drove on the scene with my automatic Corvette. Oh, Took dude. up two parking spaces. It's, uh, I mean, it isn't going to rain today. Uh, how, how's the pollen? I know there's a lot of pollen around. It's going to, are you a little frustrated? You got your, uh, how do you clean pollen off your car? No, I, I, never mind. I didn't drive my car. <laughs> oh, okay. I got never. I figured I didn't know if you carried a California car duster with you or something, but you know. <clears throat> oh, I do. Three of them. So why three? Are they different sizes? Are they? Uh, one for the hood and one for the trunk mm. and one for the mm-hmm. sides. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, makes sense. So I know, uh, you know, we're talking about EVs a little bit today. And uh, for the Corvette curmudgeon, you know, I've wanted to ask you something for a little while now. Uh, how EVs? Do you, no, no. EVs. Electronic vehicles. Is that, that what that stands for? I've never actually thought about that. That's what I Okay. So how do you feel as a Corvette enthusiast about the changing direction of the Corvette brand with the E-Ray? What in the heck's the E-Ray? So you know the C8 Corvette. Is that a Disney brand? movie? No, not quite. Um, it's it's a Corvette, but it's electric. I got I got battery in my Corvette. It I, helps it start the car. So this entire car is just run on these batteries. I'm pretty sure it's four-wheel drive. Is it four-wheel drive? Do we know that? I don't know. We don't know that. Four-wheel drive. Well, that would help them Mustang owners from losing control, but... <laughs> pretty sure Corvette owners do that sometimes, too. No, I don't think so. <laughs> nope. But electric electric Corvette. Yeah. Does it sound good? Uh, Well, they've probably got some sound effects to make it sound like a spaceship. That's what everybody else is doing. Sound effects? Yeah, you know, like so you know it's coming like it's coming down the road. Uh, this sounds like some some scam or something to me. So you would not buy an electric Corvette at any point. Heck no. <laughs> Zora Arcas Duntov would be rolling in his grave right now. The Corvette is a sports car. It should make loud noises and look good and uh- be rare. Okay. Well, see, you had me with the first two things. The third thing, it doesn't really matter. But the first two things, I kind of agree. Uh, who was that person you mentioned? Who's that guy? Uh, he's one of the engineers for Corvette. He essentially made the Corvette oh. into a real sports car. He was the one responsible for putting a V8 in the first mm. Corvette. So is it a Corvette if there's no V8? Well, I mean, 
the early Corvettes didn't have V8s, and they're very, very rare. Mm, they they're are. super expensive. So, you know, National Corvette Restorer Society says that those are the most important Corvettes in our history. So, yeah, I, I think it's still a Corvette, but... Anything after 1956, if it doesn't have a V8, it's not a Corvette. All right. I think the list of qualifications of what a Corvette is is getting to be like those laminated posters you stick outside your car at the car show. There's lots of things, lots of words. It's unnecessary. No, it's got to have two doors, a V8, unless it's pre-1956. It's got to be original paint. All right. Uh, original owner. It's got to have the window sticker. Are we talking about a Corvette or a good Corvette? Uh, you know, <laughs> just a Corvette, actually. I, what no. makes a good Corvette, then? Is it all the stuff you've mentioned? Yeah. Was it built in, I don't know, you picked it Bowling up from Green, the... Bowling Green, Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, you pick it up from the museum or whatever. <laughs> yeah, down there. Museum, museum delivery. delivery yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you being converted, producer Ethan? Are you pandering to me? Uh, no. Um, so I appreciate you uh, coming on again today, and uh, we'll uh, see you next week. With hopefully, are you really this dumb? You don't know where Corvettes are made, or are you just? I've I driven by the factory multiple times. I've not been to the museum, but I've driven by. I see trucks with Corvettes on them on the highway. How would you drive by and not stop? I had places to you be. You know them fancy <laughs> European cars. I was. What dry- places to be would you have to be other than the Corvette Museum? That's a destination. I was uh, I was going to a distillery. I was going to, to get some good Kentucky bourbon. You know, does that? Would you not also want bourbon when you're in Kentucky? Bourbon. I drink Coors Light. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for coming in again today. Uh, the Corvette Curmudgeon is brought to you unwittingly by the Corvette Buy Sell Trade Group on Facebook. Your source of cranky boomers, overpriced Corvettes, and reinforced stereotypes. You threw some Ooh. real doozies at him. You did. You, I? you stumped him. Error 404, Corvette <laughs> curmudgeon <laughs> not found. <laughs> Speaking uh. of Corvettes, this will really annoy the curmudgeons. General Motors is building a high-performance SUV utilizing the Corvette nameplate. Are there photos of this thing out there? Yeah, it looks like a Lamborghini Urus. Yeah, that's probably, it's probably also built on an Audi platform. I don't know what <laughs> no, it isn't. It uh, and the good thing is, is it's not going to be EV. They're going to have options of a turbocharged six-cylinder or an eight-cylinder. <laughs> Why are you laughing? This looks ridiculous. Is he, uh, oh, I thought it's... you were laughing at the eight-cylinder. Oh, sorry. No, I was. I wasn't making a joke. This uh, it just looks like somebody took like a trailblazer and then stuck Corvette <laughs> headlights on it, and Corvette taillights. That's all it is. Un- you from see the unnecessary order? front end like, swaps Facebook group. Yeah, but they also took the front like grills from a Porsche Cayenne because they really wanted to move up market. That's all this is. Well, that's the market they're chasing, right? So it's built on the Alpha platform, which is the same as the Camaro, the CT4 and CT5 V black wings. So it's got sports car foundation lineage whatever but you know as much as suvs kind of definitely suck wagons are way better they are a massive profit center for companies like porsche which has i think their macan and their cayenne are their biggest selling cars in their lineup um and it is direction their country is has already gone like 15 years ago so i think they might as well get on board and mustang did this already with the mach e right so people were all up in arms like oh that's not a mustang but ford said okay well mustang is 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 its own brand now 
kind of like Lincoln or Mercury or whatever it used to be. So a Mustang is a brand, not a model of a car. But and is that's, it? It is. That's what they're. That's the direction they're going. And Corvette is going that same direction with the things like the E-Ray and now this this SUV. It's going to be a sub brand, not just a model of car. Weird. Uh, we so. got VLM Chris in the YouTube chat letting us know that the E-Ray is a hybrid and not full electric, which oh, I did people not People were know. in TikTok too. Really? Us know oh, that's, that's, my, that's my bad. Well, we can kick me off the podcast. You're right. It, no, you're no, both no. right because they have announced that they will make an electric Corvette within a couple of years. Oh, uh, that's mm-hmm. what was so, stuck in my head. I think. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they are going the direction of electric Corvette, but they're not there yet. The E-Ray right now is a hybrid. Gotcha. So that's on me. Whatever. Going downhill. First mid-engine, then automatic, then hybrid, then electric, then an SUV. <laughs> the Corvette name is, is forever besmirched. That was something that irritated a whole lot of car guys when the Mach-E came out was people were like, I have no problem with Ford making this vehicle, but like, don't slap the Mustang name on it. Don't taint the good name of Mustang. Are we Mustang gonna... has a good name. Well, right. Okay, so <laughs> at least in modern history, You're... I mean, come on. That Ford Ford tainted the good name of Mustang when they made the Mustang Two in the late seventies. <laughs> that was so. Uh, but I mean, like you you both know that that happened. Are we going to see the same kind of? I mean, we probably already are with with uh, Corvette and and Chevy. Here's the thing: it works for the. The buyers and the shareholders. So you're going to have a small group of enthusiasts and people with a, a, a you know cheap sure microphone that hey are now <laughs> complaining. Industry standard. Yes, in, sorry, industry standard sure microphone that are going to complain about how they're you know diluting the brand, they're ruining it. But look at Porsche. Porsche was one of the uh, pioneers of taking a sports car brand and turning it into a luxury brand, right? It used to be the 911, and then they did the Boxster and the Cayman to make profit, and then they did the Cayenne, and then they did the Macan and the Panamera, and now it's like you know, they've got the Taycan, taking whatever it is. Taking your money. Taking, yeah, taking, <laughs> the, taking your money. <laughs> taking the world by storm. Uh, so Porsche is a luxury brand now, and they're, but they're selling more cars than ever. They've got record sales and their shareholders are happy. So it worked. It really annoyed a small group of enthusiasts, but they're still making, you know, the cars that cater to the enthusiasts. Um, they're making the GT3 RS. They're making the GT2 RS. They're making ridiculous cars and they're still racing. And if anything, that those cars that they're producing in mass are, are fueling, pun intended, the the racing efforts and 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 the cars that aren't big profit centers for them so in theory this could be a really good thing for corvettes it's just supply and demand isn't it isn't that what it comes like with porsche at least i don't know about corvette i don't know if like sales numbers are there to back it up at this point in time but with with porsche it's like the, it's supply and demand. People wanted the Macan. People yeah. people wanted those vehicles. Yeah, so, sure. of course, they're going to lean into that. Of course, they're going to go the luxury right. route. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the same thing with stick shifts and automatics. Us purists can complain that nobody makes stick shifts anymore, but we haven't voted with our wallets. The majority right, of people, right. even buying performance cars, want an automatic transmission now because in 
on paper, it's better. It's faster shifts. It's, you know, it's smoother. Yeah, it is better. But, you know. Doug and I were talking. I'm curious, Tyler. This has nothing to do with anything other than uh, manual drive vehicles. But Doug and I were talking about, like, push start. Automa- like new- newer, not automatics, manual drive cars that uh, like they don't have like a manual actually like e-brake, just like a button that you push. Oh, yeah, yeah. Does that like throw you off? Do you not like that? What are your thoughts on that? Like a, a push button handbrake? Yeah, or like yes. the, new- the electronic handbrake. Yeah, so electronic like- parking brake. I'm sorry. Yeah, I yeah, just a, a hand- finger brake, not a, not a handbrake. handbrake. Yeah. <laughs> there's a handbrake. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of. There's a lot of stuff that I feel like we've changed to make electric or or, or whatever that I I don't think is necessary. Like, I don't need screens. I would like buttons. A a handbrake is fine. I worry about, like, an electronic brake sticking on because of an electrical, like, a a dumb electrical connection short somewhere, and then suddenly your car is stopped. Like, you can still have, uh, like, an e-brake cable brake, but I feel like it's just... for instance, the, uh, whatever, the Corvette had a stop sale when they first came out. Because the front trunk, there was like an electronic... Sen- either the front trunk wasn't closing or it said mm-hmm. it wasn't closed. Mm-hmm. And so it wouldn't release the parking brake. And like, why? <laughs> so they had to stop sale all these Corvettes because people couldn't drive them because the front trunk was open. And it, like it, having a car be unusable because of a software problem is just ridiculous to me. Like, Tell me about that, Tyler, software engineer. <laughs> it's what I do for a living, and I understand that. Like, does not it's not how things should be. Like, you should still be able to use the vehicle. It, it is um, it is a wild thing to think about. Like, yeah. you you the whole handbrake thing that threw me for the biggest loop. I press a button and the e brake comes on. It's so bizarre. That threw me off. Like, man. I don't own a car with one, but I've driven a couple, and I'm just like, I do, what is happening? It is like, weird. Well, you, you don't you don't feel do like you're J-turns. doing anything. You don't feel like no. you've done anything. It's weird. You can't. Really you weird. can't do slides in the. <laughs> you, you can't do J turns. You can't do slides in the parking spaces. Like it's it's ridiculous. And also that I was trying to be a little bit more practical before I went there, but also that <laughs> that's the only reason for a handbrake. Come on, I don't even know why they call it a parking brake. Well, I guess so. It's you use it to park. Yeah. So everybody knows you're driving a manual. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. On to a commercial and then the wall of shame. Switch Cars is brought to you by Celebrity Switch Cars. Switch Cast. Goodness. It's brought to you by Celebrity Machines. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen accurate license plates as they've appeared in movies and TV shows, such as Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates, as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Go on over and visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info, and you can use promo code SWITCHCAST to save 25.39% at checkout. I love that the the two plates I put up are from TV shows that we didn't reference, and somehow they're the, the two that have innuendos. Seinfeld in the office, yeah. So if you're big Seinfeld in the office fans, you can buy a William Hung plate or Ass Man. I don't for- think I've reached uh, the the William Hung episode yet. Oh, got to get to that. So was it was is it his proctologist? Is that no? He gets it by accident, but it is for a proctologist. Okay. So speaking of proctologists. Um, we have a new sponsor. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's not. Uh, it's, it's, we'll get there. We'll get there. 
And the I'm, flight's taking off. It's got to go through a flight I'm buckled path. buckled in. I don't know if I want to be, but... Okay, so um, our friend Bailey Walton has this great Lotus Esprit, and somehow he was able to obtain a vintage plate, uh, uh, Ohio plate, because I guess there's some rule that like you can buy a vintage plate and get that number registered. Um, and the one that he bought was a physician plate. So he's totally not a doctor, but he has a physician plate on his car. It's so cool. It's super cool. It's from like 1985 yeah. or something like that. And so I think we were joking that he was a proctologist. And I made the joke that if you're a proctologist, you could say you're, you're you know, because everybody has the my other car is a license plate yeah. or bumper sticker. I said, your other car is a brown probe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I had stickers made uh, for Bailey that were... You know, my other car is a brown pro. <laughs> so, and we put it on his Lotus next to his physician license plate. Um, so if any of you are Ford probe fans and you want to send a, a question or whatever with a, with a gift or with stars or however you want to do it and send your address, uh, we'll send you one of these. And these are courtesy of our new sponsor, which is Parallel Printworks. And they are a sticker and promotional company out of the Carolinas. I can't remember which Carolina at this point, but you can find them online, Parallel Printworks on social media and the web and stuff like that. Um, I don't have a commercial ad copy for them yet. But anyway, they are the ones who make our wonderful nuts for stickers um that's right if you go on nutsforsticks.com you can order a nuts for sticker to put on your manual transmission car and uh yeah they also made some my other cars at brown probe so we're happy to have them as a new sponsor awesome if you put it on an automatic ethan and i are going to show up at your house and <laughs> do so with a with a razor blade and we're going to peel it off your car listen if you sure. give me five dollars you can put it on whatever you want <laughs> But the point is to put it on a manual transmission car. Anyway, the Wall of Shame is brought to you by them. And uh, the Wall of Shame is um, essentially the reverse review for customers, right? So customers can leave dealers their feedback if they happen to not like, you know, the scent in the showroom or whatever they want. But <laughs> dealers never get to review customers. But I have a section on my website called the Wall of Shame. And we put up, yeah. People that email us or ask us ridiculous things. So this one came in, and of course, people that trash talk typically have to remain anonymous. So uh, they filled out the fields. Under name, it was Nunya Dam for first name and business with a Z for last name. Nunya Dam Business. Day phone, 606-666-0666. Comments. Are you guys stupid or something? Stupid is as stupid does. Thus, you must be stupid. <laughs> well, that really impeccable logic. <laughs> Can't argue with that. that logic is airtight. Yeah. But. <laughs> I'm like, just leave me a real email address. Oh, man. was that it? That was it. Oh, that was all. What was I it thought there was going to be something to? Else. Was there a recent like posting you guys I, had? This was an old one. I pulled from the archives for this week. Some of the best wall of shames were from the 2007 2008 era where we were selling new cars for over sticker uh because they were going for over sticker you know that's supply what the market demand. does supply yeah and supply and demand and um yeah people just send us random hate mail so <laughs> that was in relation to that i think that's amazing so. i love how many of these start with just people calling you stupid for no like they just lead <laughs> with that like you're an idiot now, let me tell you why it's just right. so great because, like, what are they expecting in return? 
like, a, oh, you're right. I should really rethink that. Yeah. Let me like, send you a free T-shirt. Yeah. Like, what, <laughs> what's, the, what's the rationale behind You're it? right. Let me give you 15 grand off of this car or something. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't see what they're... <laughs> oh, so, well, speaking of selling cars for Oversticker and, and crazy market, um, you know, we've been dealing with inflation a lot lately. And that's affecting new car values. It has been affecting used car values, although that trend seems to be going the other way. Um, but um, we were talking about the people's car earlier, and the people's car was one affordable, and this new Quantum EV is affordable. Six thousand dollars was that U.S. dollars or Bolivian dollars that uh, you could buy a new Quantum for? I. I'm assuming, or is it Bolivian dollar the currency? I have no Bolivian, idea. It was a, it it was a U.S. Even less symbol. U.S. dollars, right? Oh God, yeah, that would probably be like five. Oh yeah, that'd be like ten. So it was like six thousand, right? Because the U.S. dollar is the greatest dollar in the world, right? Well, Canada sometimes gives us a run for our money. Yeah, they, we, yeah, we trade been blows for ten years, but they apologize yeah. every time they hit us. But you know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's strong. So dollar. I, I found it interesting because there was there was. Um, there was something on the internet. I can't remember. If it wasn't a meme. It was a quote from somebody like 20 to 30 years ago. Well, everything on the internet is memes nowadays. But it was this quote that basically said in, in 30 years, it's going to cost, you know, a hamburger is going to be $15 and a gallon of gas is going to be this. And, you know, a basic new car is going to cost $60,000. And somebody posted it to basically say like, oh, yeah, see, they were right. Look how crazy inflation is. And I go, wait a minute. Now, this, this isn't right at all. Like, despite the nutty inflation that we've had in the last three years, and it is absolutely nutty, and it is, you know, come about by just absolutely horrendous fiscal policy on the part of our administration. However, despite all that, the prices of, of most goods have not outpaced inflation, right? So you can get a five guys hamburger for like eight bucks and a basic new car is not 60 grand like you can buy a really good car for 60 grand but how cheap can you actually get a new car so um there's an interesting article i found that said only three new cars in 2023 can be purchased for less than twenty thousand dollars whoa yeah really but you can still buy a car for less than twenty thousand dollars. So it flies in the face of that prediction yeah. that a basic car, you know, a la the people's car, would cost you sixty grand. Is one of those a Mitsubishi? Um, <laughs> I forget what it's. called. I think it is. You they know, still make I, the Eclipse, or is that a, no? Is that long gone? The Eclipse died when Too Fast Too Furious came out. <laughs> yeah, the Mirage. Mitsubishi the Mirage. Mirage. Thank you, yeah. Peanut Gallery. Yeah. Well. I failed here because I did not actually put the three cars in here in my show notes. <laughs> oh, man. I was wondering. I thought it was like what a, a build-up. Doug's like, no, nope, you might tease. be right. I have no, no idea. No, no, no. I'm going to find this. I'm going to find this. We need a commercial. Holy I know that. Uh, here we go. Here we go. When Demiro, another The Doug, Nissan Versa, did. the hold, Kia hold Rio, <laughs> and the Mitsubishi Mirage. I don't know who still buys a Mitsubishi at all. Wait, it was it was a Mirage. Yes, hey. Mirage is yeah, one of them. Yeah, it's like this little itty bitty like compact thing that Demiro, another Doug, reviewed a while ago and said was a pile of crap. 
Uh, every Mitsubishi is a pile of crap. Fact. The Versa was what got you into trouble at that uh, watermelon stand in Atlanta. Because <laughs> <laughs> it had a manual handbrake. Tell the story for the folks. I, I just oh, love that lead up. Gosh. I got to be honest. Though. Yeah, it sounds so we like rented, a mythical. I, I guess it was a Versa. I don't even know. Like I, I don't know the make the models of economy cars now. I don't even know like you, a normal appliance vehicle goes by i have no idea what it is but anyway i walked through the rental car lineup and i just looked for manual handbrakes and that was the only one that had it and it was a nissan something or other apparently it was versa. a versa yeah. says the guy who drives a rogue um oh, you know very well <laughs> it's not a rogue oh Murano. sorry i actually didn't um I can't keep them straight. They're all Ultima energy to me, right? When we walked out of the Enterprise into a Versa, uh, my jaw almost dropped. That it you, that had you a were, manual handbrake. you were okay with that. It had a manual handbrake. <laughs> I just love the thought of Doug driving one of these. Anyway. It cracked me up. Man. I like using manual handbrakes. And so we pulled into this southern you know, country restaurant buffet type thing. Yeah. It was like you know, the original Cracker Barrel or something. <laughs> and... <laughs> We pull in. It's like post-church brunch. Yeah, right. And I e-brake it into a parking spot, but it was like large stone gravel. Gra lot. gravel so it yeah. just threw up all this dust everywhere. And no, this, no cars were harmed. For no the cars this were was harmed. Like it was the corner just of the dust. Parking lot. Yeah. It was just dust. It was a 12-mile-an-hour e-brake slide into a parking space. And this guy comes over who was selling watermelons out by the the road with his $60,000 Dodge Ram and he comes over and just lights into me for doing that and just will not give it a break. I'm like, Hey man, sorry. Yeah, I won't, I won't do it again. And he just would not give it up. Just yelling at me. And then I found out like he's the owner of the entire restaurant. He just happens to be selling watermelons out front, but he was very much not happy with, with the e-brake slide. So yeah. They don't take too kindly to that down there, it turns out. We don't take too kindly your type around here. Anyway, so it, it, inflation, right? So uh, you can buy a new car for under $20,000. And in fact, the, the, the inflation has outpaced the price of new cars. So as much as we want to complain about the prices of cars, um, so we have a 95 Mercedes SL500 for sale. And it stickered for $90,000 in 1995, which is 180 k in today's money. Oh, like if you think oh, about the God. price of new Porsches and Mercedes and luxury cars in the early 90s, you had to be pretty dang rich to own a basic luxury car. So in contrast, a brand new AMG SL55 today starts at 140 k and that's the AMG. They don't even make like the regular one. Um, I think a regular one would be like 110, 120, something like that. So the cost of new cars has gone down in relation to inflation overall in the last 30 years. I think there's a lot of things that's true for like video games are another one. Like video games have been 50 bucks for a while and people are complaining that they're $70 now. I'm like, do you realize how much more goes into creating these now? And they're just barely like more expensive than right. they were historically. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And cars, I feel like, are the same way. So much more goes into making the car to uh, comply with safety regulations and... Well, have uh, 37 airbags in every car. Yeah, yeah. and it's somehow <laughs> less when you compare it to inflation. It's bizarre. Right. They'd probably be half as much if 
if they didn't have the unions and people weren't financing them for 20 years. Yeah, the financing is ridiculous, says yep. a man who has financed cars. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I say that because there was, I don't know if it was Larry Burkett, but there was an economist that, that, that did this study that basically said if, if people paid cash for vehicles, the overall price of cars would go down significantly. And the increase in price of cars was driven by the availability of financing. Which I mean, you could make that argument for student for college, for college education, right? Immediately, <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's not get into politics. Um, so, going back to the market. Speaking of the market, the used car market is uh, teetering. I don't know. It's it's a very very weird market right now. And to illustrate that, here's a really interesting example. So a lot of people have been referencing bring a trailer and they're saying, oh man, there's all these reserve not met sales. And people think that bring a trailer is essentially like the only market that exists, which really is not the case, right? So they they have about seven to 800 cars a week listed. But in contrast, Mannheim, which is the largest wholesale auction or wholesale marketplace, has multiple thousands of cars sold every week. Um, and it's interesting to see the contrast between what dealers pay and what happens on the open market. And this is one data point, and you can read into it as much or as little as you want. But I thought this was an interesting contrast. So an E39 M5, so 2000 to 2003, I think, uh, on Mannheim, so wholesale dealers only, with a 1.6 condition report. So 1.6 out of 5, which is like terrible, right? Yikes. Yeah, so that mint green GT3 that we were talking about forever that had structural damage and was repainted and you could see the overspray, that was like a 2.5, 3.5 CR. This is a 1.6 CR. Like usually that means it's like bent, does it come with like a biohazard sign on the hood somewhere? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Had 140,000 miles. It sold for $23,000. And it was silver, so it wasn't any of the colors that like give it a huge premium. Within a week, we had 180,000 mile E39, also silver, sell and bring a trailer, which like should pull all the money with incredible maintenance history. Probably like, I don't know, let's say a 4.0 CR, maybe a three and a half, just because of the, the wear and tear for the miles. It no sailed on BAT for 16 grand. So you have 23K for a 1.6 condition sell wholesale and then no sale for a retail car at 16. That is wild. Very weird. And you could say, well, that's just the day, the place, whatever. But uh, I could. I, I could uh, I could wax eloquent for a long time about the the wholesale market and why I don't buy at Mannheim and why I don't trust Mannheim numbers. But anyway, that is uh, there's an interesting disparity between what dealers are paying and what the retail market is doing right now, and we'll just leave it at that. Okay, uh, let's go to the question of the week or the appraiser actually. By Nuts for Sticks. Yes, Nuts for Sticks is a brand celebrating the manual transmission in all its forms. Forget flappy paddles because we like shifting ourselves. 
Check out our fun and funny stick-themed shirts at nutsforsticks.com and save 10% on your order using discount code SWITCHCAST. That is nutsforsticks.com and use code SWITCHCAST. All right. Did you make yourself laugh when you wrote the term flappy paddles? I didn't even write that term. That oh, is Chad a Chad GPT. Like, Jeremy, no, that's a, no, that's a Jeremy, Jeremy Clarkson, Clarkson term. See, you got to watch his review of The Vanquish, I think, was the first time he used that term. Flappy paddles. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. I mean, I appreciate the credit, but that was not my brain. Shifting ourselves as you come up with that. It's used by like self-help and motivational speaker people. <laughs> like if the hashtag like shift yourself thing has millions and millions or whatever, hundreds and thousands, but it's not car related. It's, you know, it's like shift yourself, you yeah. know, elevate yourself, whatever. It's totally different area, arena of life. Um, you're right. So the appraiser, uh, somebody asked versus Instagram. What's a no-stripe Stradale with 15,000 miles worth? Now, I always love these, and I say that sarcastically when people just email me or text me very minimal details on a complex car that's worth hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, and just like, hey, what's this worth? And I'm like, come on, man. Like, I don't, I don't know. I can't do these remote appraisals. For those of you not familiar with lingo, Stradale is a Ferrari 360 Challenge Stradale produced only in 2004 for the U.S. Well, everywhere, but we only got them in the U.S. in 2004. And it is the lightweight race-inspired version of the Ferrari 360, uh, essentially a street version of the Ferrari Challenge car. And it is my answer to a few weeks ago, somebody asked, like, if you could stick swap any car, what would it be? The Stradale is the answer, right? Because they only made them with that garbage single clutch F1 gearbox. And the gated manual in the 360 was just so pure and so, so great. And some people are, are stick swapping them now. Anyway, but to answer that question, right? Like Ferraris, especially, uh, their values very wildly based on the condition and the provenance and whether or not they have stories, et cetera, et cetera. So my answer to the guy was, I don't know, 150 to 400,000. And he goes, well, you're useless to me. I'm like, yeah, I am like without like a complete service history, complete provenance. What color is it? You know, which seats, well, not which seats have they all have the racing seats. Is it leather? Is it Alcantara? Like, you know, does it have, did it win first place at Cavallino? Is it Classic A certified? All these different things that Ferrari people care about. I'm like, you know, that has a wild swing in value. And finally, I'm just like, I don't know, pay 200 grand and stick swap it. Because, like, that's really all that matters is a good driver's car and that you enjoy it. So anyway, if you're going to ask me for a, a, a remote, you know, gut check appraisal and not give me lots of information, expect a smart Alec answer. <laughs> that's what I do. And then the shrewd negotiator brought to you by VinWiki at a discounted sponsorship rate. <laughs> Meeting right smack dab in the middle at uh, something. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So this week we this past week we got offered a trade deal that seemed to be very lucrative, and it was a uh, 1964 Rolls Royce Silver Cloud three drop head conversion. Now, usually I'm not into cars that were 
you know, cut at the C pillar and made into a convertible. But upon a little bit of research, I found out because I'm not a 60s silver cloud expert that all of them were drop head conversions because Rolls Royce never made a silver cloud three drop head from the factory. Some of them were good conversions, some of them were not, but seemed like the price range went from like $150,000 to $300,000, depending on condition. And the guy wanted to straight trade for our $100,000 Jaguar XK120. So I was like, all right, I like this deal, but I'm also suspicious of it. And so he essentially just wanted us to like send a truck and take the Jaguar and then pick up the Rolls Royce and just like do the deal like that. And I'm like, nah, I don't think so. Like, I want to go look at this car first. So it took us about a week to arrange schedules, and I finally went up. It was about a three-hour drive to look at it. And it took me all of two minutes to determine that this was not a good deal. They always say if the deal seems too good to be true, it is. And this was definitely one of those cases. And he even said, like, oh, yeah, well, the Rolls-Royce dealer inspected it and said, like, oh, it just has a couple minor things it needs addressed. Yeah, well... Whoever was working that day on the rolls at the Rolls Royce dealer should be fired because, uh, yeah, I there was a hole in the frame that I could put my fist through. Yule, they were just covering their eyes when they were looking at the car. I don't think they put it on a lift, and where there wasn't a hole, there were probably other holes that were fixed by Bondo. And I'm not talking about like in the body; like this was in the frame underneath the car and there was like you know welding points between the you know the like the door support and the door sill where there had been some rust that came through and they just like filled it with weld not with metal and i'm like i've welded twice in my life and somebody else set up the welding settings for me (laughs) And I still did better than that. Like, this is, this is terrible. The top conversion was bad. And, I, you know, I felt bad because I, I think the guy was not trying to pull one over on me. He just didn't know what he had or didn't have or whatever. But, you know, I never know for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was a shrewd negotiation that, uh, thankfully, I, I didn't get too greedy and, and – uh, checked it out first because that would have been a massive mistake i mean so like i said the range is probably 150 to 300k on those if he forced me to give him a number it probably would have been 20 grand it was that bad and then i would have immediately called beverly hills car club or going motor (laughs) cars because they like cars of that type of condition and just been like all right i got a silver cloud drop head it's twenty two grand, and for every question you ask me about it, the price goes up a thousand bucks. <laughs> and you're not allowed to call me after you get it. <laughs> you know nothing. Honestly, that sounds to be in better shape than everything I've seen from Beverly Hills Car Club online. Like their stuff is rough. Now, now, <laughs> let's not get into besmirching their reputation. Oh, I, I'm i sure they're fine. It's very clear in the photos. I don't believe they're trying to hide anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. If you want a project car, those are great, great dealers to find a project car. Oh, my goodness. We could go on, but we won't. 
It is time for the props and the flops. Well, before we get to that, let's get to let's let's do a couple questions. Let's let's do a, a, a take your your good picks from TikTok and your good ones from YouTube. We'll get a couple questions and then we'll go to props and flops. All right, you want to go first, producer Ethan? Sure. <laughs> um, do I need to interject the Corvette curmudgeon here? Uh-oh. Yeah, actually, you could. While I'm looking for one, oh, say I got someone, one. Someone, all right, go ahead, Tyler. Question. Wait, wait. While you got the Corvette hat on, can I ask a Corvette curmudgeon specific question that came from TikTok? Uh, best year of performance model. A question to Boomer Doug. I'm assuming they mean the Corvette curmudgeon. Corvette, I assume, right? Yeah, yeah. Performance model Corvette. Well, mine, obviously. <laughs> Got a friggin' 98 Corvette. It's got the LS1. See, that's aluminum. It's the aluminum block and head. Pushrod V8. It's one of the most reliable and potent motors ever produced by any company on the planet. And it gets 30 miles to the gallon. <laughs> All right. Thanks for that buffer. What, what do we got on YouTube? Yeah, no, that's... Uh... <laughs> So last responder uh, asked earlier, or they say, I drive a hearse as a daily driver, hence their name, which I (laughs) I like last responder. Uh, What is the most unusual car you have ever driven or and or wanted to drive? Ooh, I love that. It's a good question. That's a fantastic question. Unusual car. Uh, The one I remember disliking the most, and it was also unusual but some people may take offense at this because French car owners are worse than Corvette curmudgeons, was a Citroen D, DS or DX or something. I don't know. It was it was just awful. Everything was hydraulic and everything felt weird. And it I drove it 30 feet and was like, <laughs> I hope I never drive one of those again. Uh, it, was, it was very odd. Very odd. I've, I've driven more weird cars, but that one was seared into my brain. Um, Barrett on TikTok asks, I'm from Hudson for the folks at home. Hudson is the city directly south of us. Where is your favorite place to exceed the speed limit around here? I always drive the speed limit. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. We don't ever speed here. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nah. Do you have any thoughts on the 2020 suit? <laughs> <laughs> this is why we screen questions. This, yeah. this is screening this is live is, here. You Ethan. literally just heard nah. me screen a question. <laughs> Can we Who's get that as like a sound bite? <laughs> uh, yeah, nah. nah. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on the 2020 Supra? Uh, like the manual one? 2020? No. Tw- uh, yeah. Uh, it's the BMW 3 Series one that everybody makes fun of, but I don't know why everybody makes fun of BMW-powered cars, because a McLaren F1 was BMW-powered, and it was the greatest car ever. Um, I like them. I think the styling is really sweet. Um, performance is pretty good. I think they're good value for the money, fun car. Uh, I'm glad that they finally make a manual version of them now. Um, I would probably not buy one in automatic. I would buy one in manual, but... Yeah, I I think it's a good car. 
We're getting after the uh, hour mark here. Do okay. you want to uh, go to props and flops, and we'll, then we'll, we'll do go, props we'll and go flops live and we'll do for a, a few bonus questions for the live viewers? Absolutely. So, uh, the props and flops brought to you by Switch Cars. Switch Cars is the enthusiast's dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. Check out our handpicked inventory at switchcars.com. And our pick of the week from Switch Cars inventory is... I don't actually know what it's going to be. 2018 <laughs> Shelby GT350R with 3,500 oh. miles. Black on black, striped fleet <laughs> with the R Electronics package and the carbon fiber wheels and wing as part of equipment group 920A. Oh. I feel like I could be on... Uh, uh, Wheel of Fortune here. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Show them what they've got. Is, uh, uh, yeah. In your Instagram post, does it come with a little, like, mini crankshaft? Yes, it does. That is so excessive in, like, kind of the best way. Yes. I appreciate that. Uh, you can yeah, see it's flat. trophy box or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The flat plane crank. Um, no, I, I like this one partly because I think it's just a great car. They're fun to drive. Ford is continually hit it out of the park with their special edition, you know, their SVT Mustangs, their Cobra, Cobra R's, their Shelby's, et cetera, et cetera, uh, despite the the general disdain for base model Mustangs. But it also epitomizes our name, right, which is Switch Cars. We sold this for the original owner in November. The buyer has already traded it back in to Switch Cars for a Porsche. So we like it when that happens. A lot of customers are like, oh, why'd they get rid of it so soon? Or, you know, they, they think it's a bad thing that cars keep coming back through our dealership. And I'm like, no, that's that's a good thing. That means people like us and are happy with us. And like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, anyway, so we, we like that car that is available. It, it is nearly perfect. It is as clean as clean gets. And that's available on our website now for $75,000. The flop of the week. Going from a Mustang to a Camaro, an employee at Lander's Chevrolet uh, allegedly unauthorized use of a customer's Camaro that was in for service, took it out one night after hours and completely wrecked it. And when I say wrecked, it's like the wheels are bent. I think he rolled it like three times. I mean, it is oh, bad. What? You have are there, to are there photos? There are photos online. They are everywhere. This went Holy totally mole. viral. So, yeah, it's it's pretty bad. And, of course, all the comments on all the social media is like, oh, man, he's getting a ZR1. He's going to own that dealership. You know, talking about the owner of the car, right? Oh, lawyer up. Get, oh, man, or you're going to get rich off of this. My thought, partially as a business owner, partially as just like a reasonable person. It's like, listen, nobody was hurt, right? You don't have emotional damages because your car was wrecked. You can get another one. A Camaro is not irreplaceable, unlike a Corvette, of, you know, which every Corvette is one of one. <laughs> but <laughs> took you a minute there. Like, just get a new car, right? Like, get reimbursed for what you're out. And, you know, more than likely, the dealership is going to make it right. There's no reason to sue over something like that. Like, you're your car was in for service already you probably had a loaner it's not like you're out a car and if you are they'll probably give you a rental or whatever i just this mentality of people to just like punish people you know before they even give them an opportunity to make a right is 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 ridiculous but anyway 
Um, the prop of the week, speaking of Porsches uh, and their special editions, Porsche this week just announced their 718 Boxster Spider RS, which is absolutely it was wild. Inevitable, yeah. right? They yeah. made the Cayman GT4 RS. They've got the drop top version of of that now. 493 horsepower. Unfortunately, it is PDK only, but at least it has the GT3 RS gear ratios. Zero to 60 in 3.2 seconds, which for the nerds among you, that number should ring a bell. That was the zero to 60 time of a McLaren F1 back in the oh. 90s. The greatest car ever and the fastest car on the planet for a long, long time. That's right. A GT3 flat six four liter engine in a convertible in the middle of a car. Why would you ever buy a Porsche Speedster other than for the manual gearbox? I love this, right? Boxers used to be the redheaded stepchild of Porsche. You know, the shareholder special designed by artists and produced by accountants. But now it is arguably the most visceral and capable car in Porsche's lineup. Don't tell anyone with a 911 that I said that. <laughs> Can I give a real quick shout out another prop of the week to uh, GoDaddy for uh, mentioning us in a blog. Yes. Talking about SwitchCast in a blog that GoDaddy, the domain registrar, published today. Yes. Um, that was cool to see. There were a few questions that uh, I had answered about podcast marketing, and SwitchCast got a pretty big shout out in one of their blogs. That was cool to see. Well, let's let's put it better. And, and this was actually this meant to be in my show notes, but I forgot. But uh, I, I, more importantly, it was a shout out to Ethan because it was it was referencing uh, marketing techniques and and good ways to non traditionally market a podcast. So specifically, yes, they referenced our podcast, but it was really a shout out to Ethan and his, uh, usage of TikTok and, uh, short form videos and highlights in order to get essentially viral marketing for a podcast. So thank you to Ethan secondary prop, uh, that you got mentioned on. <laughs> thank Go you to GoDaddy. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, like I said, if you're watching live, stick around. We'll do a, a bonus round of, of live Q&A. Thank you to Tyler, uh, the Ed McMahon over here. Thank you to our sponsors, BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, Stephen Holm Woodworking, and our new sponsor, Parallel Printworks. Uh, our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream the full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available next Monday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find highlights, etc., and where to download our podcast on our website, switchcast.live. That's something I learned from that GoDaddy episode is give people specific places to go. And <laughs> we do have a website. Your <laughs> website, right? We do have a website. Yes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. as we look forward to edifying, educating, and entertaining you on the drive of your life.